Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Yo. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Monday evening live right here at 9 o'clock on the Film Guy Network here on the YouTube channel. Um, you know what? Typically, I'm a backwards hat guy. I don't know if you could tell that from my vibe, my steez, who I am. If you've been watching this network for a long time, I'm a back, I've always been a backwards hat guy. I just have been since I've been wearing hats since the day I've, I've been putting them on. Um, but, you know, when, when it's a dope hat, you put it on forwards. You know, when you're trying to look professional, every once in a while, start of the show, we're going to be frontwards hat guy. We're going we're, we're to bring you frontwards hat guy. It's off the rip, we're going to bring you frontwards hat guy material with the takes right here. You know what? Man, when it comes to wins and losses in life, everybody's looking for blame. Everybody's searching for credit, okay? Um, and in the case of the world of recruiting, Okay, and college football when it comes to you guys. And, um, you know, nowadays in the world of recruiting, there are a multitude of factors that kind of go into results of like when a player decides where he's going, why he's going there. Right. Um, or he or she in whatever sport you want to talk about. But in regards to college football, I think there are a variety of reasons why players go where they go. And I think the first three that I'm going to mention are like core tenets in college football, no matter how NIL changes, no matter how the recruiting landscape changes, no matter how the rules change, no matter what changes, these three things will always impact player acquisition in the world of college football, no matter what. You ready? Proximity. How close are you to great talent? That really, really matters. Can mommy and daddy and aunt and uncle and grandma and grandpa come see buddy play? All right. If they can't, that's a problem. If they can't come out there every week, it's a problem. If they don't have the means to get out there every single week, it's a problem. All right. Proximity, proof of concept. Hey, do you either win or do you show me an ability to develop my skill set, my talent, my abilities? Can you shine? Will you take Jimmy and put Jimmy in the limelight? That's important. Proof of concept. Do you have uh, evidence that you have done that, can do that, will do that for my child or for myself? And number three, some people tell you it's the most important. I believe it's the most important. I think it's the most important thing in life. Relationships. Okay. It will always be a core tenet of recruiting, okay? The ability to develop a, a, a relationship between coach and player, between recruit and recruiter, all right? That is the core of recruiting. That will never change. Nowadays, we have new playing factors, all right? I think in the last 10 years, playing time has been adamant. If you don't get on the field early, like if you don't have an opportunity to get on the field early, Five stars really are looking into you no more. Okay, there are very, very few Sam and Pimbas in this world that enter the University of Georgia knowing I got to get some development, baby. That's why I'm here. All right, so if I have to sit for a year, that's fine. If I have to say 18 months, that's fine. We'll figure it out, coach. I trust you. That is very, very rare. Most kids nowadays, I, I would say that again, this is the last decade or so. Nowadays, all of these kids are more prioritizing playing time over the last decade uh and of course name image and likeness how much can you get me paid that is now a role in sports and then down at the very very bottom is academics right so that's the reality of college football right those are all of the 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 factors the 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 extenuating circumstances that impact whether or not player a goes to school b right 
all of those factors, those six little categories, all right, are what result into the bottom line. But in reality, that's not who you are. In reality, you are fans, you are fanatical about your efforts, and you are fanatical about your opinions. And a lot of times in this football world of uh, football fandom and recruiting, you don't, you don't live in rationals. You live in irrationalities, right? And irrationality is kind of like thinking every year is your year, Georgia fans, which nowadays you, you don't sound like the crazy man, right? You don't sound like the dude screaming at the moon uh, in the middle of the night saying it's definitely going to happen this year, but you kind of did for like 40 years. People definitely thought you were crazy and sometimes batshit crazy, all right? But it's reality now. It's rational now. You win every year. That's what it seems like. And it's not rational to believe that you're going to win every single recruit on the recruiting trail. But under Kirby, under Kirby Smart, he's kind of led you to believe that every five stars, your five startup lose, particularly if there's any relation or connection or if at any point you have any momentum. Why in the hell is Brooks spending so much time on this? Well, here is the deal, ladies and gentlemen. You see it on the bottom ticker, right? You see it on the bottom line. You want to know what's going on with Dylan Rayola. So you, as a Georgia fan, who has now come to expect the irrational, that every player is yours and every national title is yours, which, by the way, warranted, not saying it's not. You should be on the top of every big board. You should be on the top of every recruiting list. That's warranted, right? When it comes to Dylan Rayola, when you look up his 24-7 sports profile today, you will see a litany of crystal balls to USC. And I will tell you that this is not sudden momentum to USC, this is not uh, by proxy of some recent uh, discussion that he's had with uh, Mike Bobo or any offensive coordinator or any coach at the University of Georgia. This is a byproduct of momentum that was created a month and a half ago when Todd Munkin was calling NFL co uh, coaches in search of an NFL coordinating job. That's the reality of this situation. Munkin was very upfront about what was going on and cease or, uh, you know, hence the momentum towards USC. Okay. Um, again, you know, when you survey the landscape, I think on social media today, based off what I've kind of looked at, people are looking for some type of, what's going on with Rayola? Why is the momentum? Why is Georgia losing momentum? Heck, after the national title game, they look like the favorites. What's going on? Well, this isn't sudden. Like I said, this has been a kind of a, a, a momentum towards or away from, rather, Georgia and towards elsewhere. And it has nothing really to do with Bobo. It had everything to do with the relationship, in my opinion, with Munkin, right? Munkin plus Georgia's proof of concept gave you a real chance and landed Dylan, Dylan Rayola. It was a two, two-and-a-half-year build of a relationship with Munkin, with Rayola, with Kirby Smart, the whole crew, Right. Then Buster Faulkner gets picked off. Now Todd Munkin gets picked off. Now it has nothing to do with necessarily with what Bobo's got going on, but now Bobo's inserted and all of this other momentum and continuity has remained at other places like a USC, right? So th that's the momentum, right? I think UGA plus Munkin gave you a great opportunity to land Dylan Rayola this summer if that is the timetable, right? Which it looks like that's what it's going to be. It looks like on the horizon – that Dylan Rayola might be towards the summer ready to get this thing over with before he enters his senior year of high school football. And if that is the case, I mean, it's not looking great. <laughs> it's not looking great right now for the University of Georgia, right? But what what's to say that this doesn't delay all the way into early National Signing Day? And by December, if Carson Beck and, and this Georgia offense and, and whoever's at the, at the helm of it and running it, Looks like they're about to put up a 4,500-yard passing season. 
you might have a much, much stronger chance to, by that point, have built the continuity with the relationship, right, and have the proof of concept, right? Those two of those three core tenets. You don't have proximity over USC. You won't have proximity over USC. If he wants to be close to home, by God, he's going to be a Trojan, all right? But if it's about proof of concept and if it's about uh, relationships, you can definitely build that over the next six months. But again, if, if this comes down to like the next three months, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm necessarily, I'm not necessarily too much caffeine. I'm not, as he goes to sip some more Coke, I'm not necessarily in love with Georgia's chances mid July. Um, I might be come October, November. Welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. Uh, as always, man, we got combine winners and losers. I'm going to give you the latest intel on Jalen Carter's situation in draft stock. And we're going to do a little education today on the processes of why certain things come out when they come out, right? And what to kind of read into and what tea leaves to pick up on when certain stories come out. We're going to do a little bit more of a, I'm not going to call these journalism one-on-ones, but I think this channel does a very good job of explaining why things are written the way they are, why things come out the way they are, why questions are answered the way they are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, I will also tell you why I'm not excited to buy the stock that is Anthony Richardson, but I understand it. I really do. Okay, so if you're a Georgia fan and you came here tonight to, you know, maybe hear me bag on uh, Anthony Richardson or anything like that, uh, I'm actually going to tell you why I get it and why you should stick around and maybe listen, especially if you're like a Falcons fan, because they might be in that range that it, it's reasonable for them to draft him. Okay, and we will explain why a little bit later, uh, despite his horrendous performances that we've talked about. We had a uh, we have three year rules on this channel with coaches. We have a what's he look like against Georgia rule for NFL prospects. And Anthony Richardson fails that test with flying colors. The what's he look like against Georgia test is no bueno for Anthony Richardson. But the rest of the stuff I'm willing to invest a tad bit of stock in despite my reluctancy to do so. Um, and we'll also talk about UGA chasing a little bit of draft history um, as they enter the NFL draft. We'll start with that off the top before we get into the combine winners and losers. I think one big winner is the University of Georgia. If you were to look at any NFL mock drafts right now, uh, the swing player in this discussion is Keely Ringo at this point. Whether or not he is going to be a first-round draft pick, Jalen Carter has locked that up. Uh barring any type of legal issues or ramifications. Uh, Nolan Smith locked that up this weekend. Darnell Washington locked that up this weekend. Um, and I cannot believe I'm forgetting one other player. Good Lord. Um, holy smokes. Keeley is the the fourth on the, on, on the borderline. Um, yeah, we'll get to talking about it anyways. But George is a massive winner from the, uh, the NFL Combine weekend. Um, as usual, Darnell, we're, we're going to talk about winners and losers here in a little bit, but they have a chance to have five first-round draft picks for the first time in consecutive NFL draft picks um, or NFL drafts in NFL draft season history or NFL history. Holy smokes. This guy's a professional broadcaster. He considers himself to be. Welcome in to tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, off to a rocky start. I will say things are going to be changing at Broderick Jones. My guy, a me guy, me guy, offensive line guy, forgetting Broderick Jones. Shouts out to the live comments right there for picking your boy up. Don't have a producer in the in the head yet. Um, it is up to something up to something season around here. Now I'm rattled and nervous. 
it is up to something season around here. Um, things are going to be changing, moving in and around the show. If it lacks consistency, if it lacks the high-end quality that you're typically used to, uh, my apologies. Um, we got a lot going on. Zero excuses. We will be here Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, um, every single week, the rest of the season, or the rest of the offseason, starting at 9 o'clock. Um, let's talk about these combine winners and losers. Jesus, man. Holy smokes. Um, winner, first of all, let's start with Stetson Bennett. Um, I, I see, I've seen the guy a ton, been around him. I'm about, just for anybody who's never seen me, I'm about 6'1". In tennis shoes, I'm about 6'1". So a, anybody that I kind of walk up on, we can kind of eyeball scout them, you know, except for the, the super tall ones. If you're over like 6'5", you're just gigantic to me, all right? If you're under 5'7", five, five, you're just little, all right? But anywhere in between that like 5'7", and 6'4", and three-quarters range, boy, we can get you by like within the quarter inch, all right, from an eyeball scout range. So I'm not necessarily surprised Stetson Bennett measured in almost six foot, like He's a half inch away from six foot, five eleven and three eighths. I think was the official measurement. Um, that that checks out. the The one ninety four measurement that checks out. I think what kind of is surprising for people is when you walk up on him. A massive hands. B thick thick kid at like one hundred ninety four pounds. Thick man. He's not a kid no more. Everybody knows that. The joke's about the age. We all get that. Um, thick dude. Like, has really put on muscle mass over the last couple of years. Not overly thick, not Russell Wilson thick, not Kyler Wilson thick, not T-H-I-C-C thick. He is just regular Stetson Bennett thick. He is uh, a middle infielder for sure, 100%, but not a corner guy. All right, whereas Russell and Kyler, as they age, they're going to be corner guys. This dude, not that big. Nonetheless, I think it surprises people the first time they walk up on him how truly big his hands are, how big his features are, how how, how well-developed. He actually is. The other thing that might I, – I shouldn't surprise people. We've been talking about it on Twitter for years now. The ball jumps. The ball pops out of Stetson Bennett's hands. It is not – it does not require a ton of effort. It is as technically sound as any five-foot, 11-and-a-half guy guy's uh, motion is. He produces a ton of juice. He's super athletic. Like, everyone that was there, I probably – I guarantee you left away thinking, no, nah, it looked different than it did on tape. Like, on tape, we kind of knew. On tape, you see him get outside the pocket, throwing comebacks on the run, ball jumps. We've shown it here on this network years now, for years now. Um, but until you see him in person, until he's, like, effortlessly throwing 60-yard bombs where, like, other guys are kind of, like, really twerking and trying to get after it. Stetson was a big winner this weekend because even in a shorts and T-shirts kind of environment, he does, he will surprise people. He is very much so sneaky fast, right? I mean, dude, the dude jogged a 4'6". Dude jogged to 4640. I thought an obvious loser, and it's we'll be quick. It's Jalen Carter. I, I can't do a list here without doing this. We'll talk about it a little bit later. I don't think the impact's as bad. We have an update um, from some agent buddies of mine that we've talked to. It's not that bad. I, I don't think it's going to be that bad from a, a, a falling standpoint. But this is a dude that entered the week talking about a, a top, you know, top five draft pick. You know, maybe the number one overall draft pick. That's not what it's going to be anymore. We'll talk about what it actually projects it out to be uh, here in a little bit. Uh, but it wasn't just about Jalen not, or, you know, having a bad week with the news and all that good stuff, or all that good stuff, all that stuff. That's a filler for me, as you guys can see. Um, it wasn't just the week of the news for Jalen. It was the other guys as well. There were some other guys at the combine. Like, we talked about it last Thursday. I thought Jervon Dexter had a great week. 
I uh, thought he performed really, well, really, really well. The only Florida player that did, by the way, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, they caught a they caught a stray this weekend on the Twitter timeline from yours truly. It's very clear to me programs that are developing and aren't. We took out Alabama. We we addressed Alabama last week. They're lying. There was a uh, a graphic today. They're lying all over about their uh, up and down about their roster heights and weights. Uh, Florida guys running hella slow. Despite all of that, Jervon Dexter came out there and I thought put together an A minus week for a dude with an A plus body and tape. So he's going to like vault up boards or at least get bumped because Jalen's getting dinged, right? And the other one was the kid from Pittsburgh um, who ran a 4.62, Kalijah Kansi, uh, number eight, which is another confirmed on tape guy. You turn the tape on, first thing you'll say is, damn, eight's popping. He plays really, really low. And then you'll say, oh, he kind of saw it off, though. <laughs> and he is. He's about six two and a quarter. Um, not the biggest, tallest, longest guy, but is really, really twitchy. And, uh, you know, you run four six two at almost 300 pounds, you're going to start throwing up some boards or going up some boards. And he had a great week. While Jalen's getting all this negative news and, and there's all the kinds of questions about character and his involvement, all this other stuff, and, and, and NFL Network's running his name for the bad news, right? These guys were outperforming. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a loser here. A winner, obviously, Nolan Smith. As easy it is, as it is to pick on, uh, you know, Jalen, and not necessarily pick on Jalen, but talk about Jalen's um, kind of unfortunate events this past weekend and the past couple of months. Um, you have to look at Nolan Smith's performance and, and, and just come on, come on. Just golf clap that one up. Uh, officially running 439 at 200, and I think it was 47 pounds, 237 pounds something along those lines. I thought it was great for Nolan not only to go out there and perform like he did, jump like he did, 41 and a half inches, do all that other stuff. But when we sit down a month or, you know, three, four months from now, and they're showing all the, the clips on social media of, you know, draft interviews of first-round draft picks, and, you know, they show the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Nolan Smith at 17 or whatever he gets drafted, wherever he gets drafted in this first round because he's going to be a first-round draft pick now. You will hear that general manager at the preceding press conference when they bring Nolan into town and give him his jersey and have him sit down and answer and give statements. You will hear that general manager first talk about the interview that they had with Nolan Smith before they mention anything about what he did on the field. I guarantee you, whoever drafts him will talk far more about what they learned about him and who they found in the meeting room than they did what they evaluated in the boxes they checked on the football field, and he blew it out of the water. Fastest 40 time at his position since, I think, 2002. Um, highest uh, vertical maybe ever. And first the, the first 10 split was the high or was the fastest at anyone at his weight um, in the combine history or modern combine history. So Nolan, duh, winner. Massive winner, locked up a first-round draft pick. I, we've talked about it. We went on Patreon last or Friday, Friday morning. We did a Patreon uh, films, Patreon only film study, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We took a look at both Nolan Smith and Robert Beal. And we tried to find like, Hey, where's this on tape? Right? Like, Hey, dude, four, three, nine, four, three, nine is 1% stuff. Four, three, nine is holy shit. Look at that guy on tape stuff. Right? That's what four, three, nine is. We went looking for that. We found some of it. We didn't find all of it, which tells me no one's got like far more in the tank in his career. Um, and we showed you why that is. We showed you how Georgia is much more of a team-oriented rush. Stuff we've been showing you here, like I said, for years now. But we went looking for some of that stuff. Still haven't really found it in Bobby's game. I, I, when I look at Robert Bill on tape, and he's a winner, obviously, this week as well, 
with the way he ran at four, I think it was four four nine unofficial or officially. Man, when I look at Bobby's tape, I see a guy that's clearly still thinking about what he's doing before he does it. And that is very common in players who have not played a lot, right? I mean, Maybe not some of these young, you know, basically protégés that got on the field early. Like Jalen Carter could run around the field not really knowing what he did and found the football somehow. It just – God gave him that. Bobby Bill, not one of them, one of them people. Bobby Bill go out the combine, run four four nine in a straight line. But on tape, don't look – he does not play that speed. He plays like he's about 85 to 90% of that speed because he's still processing what's in front of him. So I say that to say this. Whoever's going to draft Bobby – uh, Robert Beal is going to get an ascending player is going to get a player that's just scratching the floor, not even close to scratching the ceiling, scratching the floor. All right. He, he just barely getting there. He just barely figured it out. Uh, despite the fact that he's like 24 years old. Okay. He has not had the 10,000 hours uh, worth of a theory to assume that he is not going to turn into what he tests like. Right. And, and that's the NFL's job. That's an NFL, uh, you know, evaluators job. So uh, a couple winners for you there. Uh, I think I hate to call them losers for the week, but I think an obvious guy that did not have a great week, and he would probably be the first to tell you that, is Kenny McIntosh. Kenny lost almost 10 pounds from the Senior Bowl to the NFL Combine and went out and ran 4.62. I, that was the unofficial time. We projected him about 4.50. I never thought Kenny on tape showed me extreme amounts of long speed. I always thought he was just one of the best within a five-yard box, within a 10-yard box, within a 15-yard box that Georgia's had in recent memory. Not necessarily like DeAndre Swift great, but I thought he was very, very um, A-plus or a, a standard A. We'll call him like a 94 overall um, from a running back's perspective in every category. And that's going to – he's still that, despite the fact that he ran 4.62. Um, he's still that, but it's not – Again, it's it, like we said with Jalen, and it's a totally different story. But like we said with Jalen, it's not necessarily about Kenny running four six two. It's about what the other guys did. You know, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs carrying first round kind of draft grades right now for both of those guys to have phenomenal weeks. I mean, both of them to run near. I think Bijan ran four four seven, and Jameer Gibbs ran four four one. And there's controversy as to whether or not he ran something like four two eight. There were hand times in the building that had him something like four two one. I mean. Really, really good weeks for the other guys at the position that Kenny's going to be drafted at. That's bad. I, I, you don't want to call it bad luck. That's just the breaks, right? It's the breaks of the position. So you have to call him not necessarily a winner or a loser this week, but definitely not necessarily a winner. We talked about Broderick Jones earlier. He is certainly a winner. We knew coming into this week that this is kind of his stuff. You know, uh, I tweeted about it the other day. He is an offensive changer, man. You, you bring him in, very similar, I, I felt, I felt oddly similar about, similar about Panay Sewell, but didn't think he was as much of like a top-end 1% athlete. Thought Panay played really, really fluid at his size. Um, but Panay's athleticism and Panay's ability to unzip his feet in space and his ability to play in space um, really enhanced your offensive capabilities, right? His ability to kind of, oh, y'all want to play a four-eye? All right, we'll just back block with the guard and Panay can insert two gaps over and still run down the backside inside linebacker. Like, those kind of things change your offense. Broderick Jones' ability to unzip his feet on a linebacker out in space kind of changes the way you run read option in a national title game. Georgia, Stetson Bennett, arc, or he arc releases to the outside linebacker in that 3-4 stack. Now Stetson Bennett walks into the end zone from 25 yards out, and you guys think Stetson and offense coordinator geniuses. No, yes, partly. 
but it's because Broderick Jones is one percenter. The guy can get out there and unzip his feet. So we knew that going into the combine, it was going to be something special. I thought it was going to be even crazier. I thought he was going to run like 4.82, but he showed up at 311 pounds and looked thicker than I've ever seen this man look. I mean, he is a thick dude. He's a big boy. Do not get me wrong. But I think he played this year at like 304. He showed up at the combine 311 pounds, and he ran a 1.6, I think it was a 1.75, 10-yard split. And ran a four flat or five flat, basically a four nine eight. So that 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 ten yard split is not necessarily in that elite category that his pedigree and profile tell me it is, which tells me he carrying a little bit more weight than he's used to. Probably trying to bulk up for the NFL draft. Definitely a winner for me though, based off the week. I think he truly changes your offense. He changes what you do. Have I told you guys to hit the thumbs up button tonight? Have I told you to subscribe to patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin? Have I told you to do anything? If I told you that if you missed any portion of tonight's show, you can find us anywhere, wherever, however you catch out your podcast nowadays, that your boy sits in here every single night after these shows and downloads and uploads and cuts and clips and puts them suckers up in an MP4 format on your Spotify apps and on your iTunes app. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that you can watch the Film Guy Network Via video on Spotify, I don't recommend you do so. I recommend if you're a video guy, you show up over here on YouTube and you show up on time, Rudy. Damn it. Um, I advise you to, to watch us visually here, and I advise you to watch us visually in general. If you're not watching us visually, you're not really getting the whole thing. All right? I'm a good audio guy. I sound great. But boy, am I a visual product. All right? Um, so, yeah, come hang out with us over here. Definitely winner, Broderick Jones. Another winner, Darnell Washington. Shouts out. Um, the 465 was crazy. The 464 was insane. Um, we predicted him at 472. So it was basically kind of near what we thought it was going to be. I told you, backwards hat guy. It's almost halfway. Um, see, I think this is just me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, this is just my vibe. This is just who I am. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Don't hire me. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we don't really need to be hired. You just need to be us. Be you, content creators. Backwards hat guy. Um, Darnell, the, the 465 was nuts. We predicted him at 472, so it wasn't that nuts, right? Um, hold on. I gotta I gotta talk about this right now. Um Rude's always showing love. He definitely is. But Rude's is always late, right here. Rude's late never. The, 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 the show gets it, the group chat gets it. Man, I would tell you what. I think Rude's gonna be late to his own funeral. I mean, I I hope I hope I I don't I don't even know how to approach approach that topic of that joke. But yeah, for real, Rude's late anywhere nowadays. I've gotten to the point where if I need my brother in Christ, Rudy, somewhere, boy, we tell him we're gonna be there an hour early, hundred percent. He's gonna be late to his own wedding this fall. I already know it. The fall wedding guy, don't give him no breaks. Don't give him no shit. It's all good. Um, but yeah. Rudy, Rudy Rosado, always going to be late. My boy would be late to his own wedding this fall, guaranteed. I got odds on it. I got odds on it. Plus or minus four minutes. I'm taking the over, no doubt. Um, back to Darnell. The 4.65, insane. I thought the the uh, 4.64. The crazier thing was all the other stuff, but most importantly, the uh, the one six one ten 10-yard split was absolutely elite. The 10-2 broad jump at that height was insane. But the 4.08 shuttle, short shuttle, the 5.10.5, which I believe is the fastest ever at someone his height and weight. 
Um, that is stupid. If you're out here running like 408 in the 510.5, that basically equates – bro, 408. I know guys that run like 4-4 flats. You can go look on the NFL. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to freelance NFL combine results. I guarantee you there are guys that ran like sub 4-4-4 that don't have 5-10-5 splits like that. I guarantee you. So we're going to go to the 40-yard dash right now. DJ Turner ran 4-2-6. Let's go look at his three-cone. Or excuse me, his short shuttle. DJ Turner, DJ Turner, DJ Turner. Didn't run her. All right. So anyways, oh, here we go. The second fastest time is 4.05. Darnell Washington had the third fastest 5.10.5 shuttle at the NFL Combine at 4.08. Jackson Smith and Jigba had the combine fastest at three nine three. So there you go. Third fastest short shuttle at six foot seven, 200 and almost 70 pounds. So for those of you who don't know what the five ten five is, I start in the middle. I run five yards that way. I touch a line. I turn around, run 10 yards this way. I touch a line and then run five yards back through the starting line. Five, 10, five. So that means that six foot seven joker starts, stops, starts faster than all but two people in this year's NFL draft. Silly. Also silly, there are going to be some takes. There are. I'm just warning you. I'm getting out in front of it. There are going to be some takes about lack of proper usage surrounding Roger Jones and the University of Georgia. You bet your fine ass it's coming. Somebody's going to look at this. Somebody's going to see him drafted on, on draft night and go, well, he never had more than like 400 yards at Georgia. What the hell were they doing? Context, Brock Bowers, also context, probably the best blocking tight end the SEC seen in, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Think about all the tight ends that have come. Well, I know, uh, 084, 084, from Alabama a couple years ago, that's body was so just, he's from uh, Cartersville up the road up here, uh, Forrestal. That body's so damn destroyed. I don't know what he's doing in the NFL right now, but he's still probably running his head up against a brick wall. So outside of freaking Miller Forrestal, Darnell Washington is the best blocking tight end in the SEC seen in a fat minute, and he had solid passing production from a uh, you know yards per catch perspective. The guy was uh, relatively explosive despite the fact that he didn't get, didn't get, rather, a bunch of touches. So there we go. Um, no, there was not a lot of talk, but kind of some some disappointments around Christmas uh, 40. He was in that 4.62-ish, 4.65-ish range. I think we predicted him around 4.55. The top end speed's never – I never expected to see it. I just know the play speed's great, right? I mean, his ability to know and confidently know – where he's going makes him faster on the field than what his 40 says. Um, the problem is the size. He, I mean, he's 5'10 and a half, I think he is what he measured in at, and he's under 200 pounds. Heck, I think he's under 195 pounds. So he's going to have to go to the pro day and run faster, and he knows that. Um, but the tape does not lie with Chris, and I think Chris's ability to go to the senior bowl and lock up in the nickel and play man-to-man -man coverage in the slot increased his draft abilities tenfold because the, the the league already i'm not gonna say marked him off as a as a full-time safety but the league prioritizes size at that position much more they're getting bigger they're looking far more for derwin james than tyron matthew
okay, um, at that specific position. So he can play the middle of the field. That's fine. He can't really do the big boy box stuff, play tight ends and man-to-man coverage stuff, but he can play true nickel. That's valuable for the NFL. I think that's the key, and I think he's shown the ability to do that. <clears throat> All right. I teased we would give you the latest on Jalen Carter. Um, I'll tell you this much. Ooh, we've got to get the boy a, a comfier seat here in the studio. I'll tell you this much. Um, you're not going to get you're not going to get a lot of truth serum around this Jalen Carter story. Um, there's actually, actually zero chance. You're going to get any true and honest opinion out of any general manager about this story or even really any agent. Any agent talking right now to media is going to be selling, uh, you know, the players okay. Any general manager not named the Chicago Bears is going to be lying through their teeth because they want Jalen Carter to fall to them. So it's very, very important, like we told you at the start of the show, to kind of understand why stuff's being written, who's writing it, what it means, seeing through the the the, the forest and finding out what's actually sitting there. That's not the metaphor. That's the one we're going to use tonight. And, in fact, we're in such a serious discussion, we're going to return to Frontward Hat Brooks. Okay? Frontward Hat Brooks. Here we go. Okay. Did you see the piece in The Athletic today on Jalen Carter? If you did not, I didn't read it. I just saw the title. Basically, the quote was, Jalen Carter no longer among the top ten picks. Expectations for quarterbacks, anonymous sources say. Anonymous GMs say. Yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you something. A little something about anonymous general manager polls. If you're the Atlanta Falcons at eight, what are you going to say if polled about Jalen Carter? Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can sign off on that, coach. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if we can risk anything that we don't know liability wise, legally, all that good stuff. We're going to pass, coach. We're, we're going to let him go, right? Why wouldn't you say that? What are you, what are you supposed to say? Yeah, we're going to draft him. So, so the guy sitting at seven can take him or the guy sitting at nine can trade up in front of you and take him? No. Every single general manager, like I just told you, not named Chicago Bears GM, every single time they're asked about this question, undisputed, they are going to say, nah, not, not signing off on it. He's tanking on my board, coach. Absolutely tanking on my board. So, again, who's to gain? That's the key. When all of these, especially during this time of the year, when all of these types of stories come out around the draft, it's very, very important to say to basically say, hey, why is this being written? Who's to gain? Who's leveraging? Who's to gain from this spin being spun? In this case, again, every single football team not named the Bears that actually wants to draft this guy. Um, so that being said, when I reached out to uh, got agents that I trust today um, or people in the agency world, because I don't know if you know this, but these agencies, they are massive. They have talent wings, meaning like on-air people. They have uh, football talent wings. They have baseball. They have basketball. They have all these different wings of their agencies, and they have hundreds of people that work there. Okay? So when I kind of put feelers out today on this topic, everyone that didn't have stake in whether or not he would fall to them, New England Patriots at 15, uh, who are, excuse me, the 14, the Tennessee Titans at 11, uh, all these programs that are, you know, football teams that need defensive tackles, the quality of Jalen Carter, that would love for the previous number one overall draft pick or potential number one all overall draft pick to somehow magically fall to the middle of the first round. Wouldn't that be ideal? 
Okay. Um, every single one of them lying, lying through their teeth. There you go. Um, but that being said, I still think he remains a top 10 pick based off everyone that I've talked to that isn't directly involved in there. Yeah. DJ or, or Dan seeing this right here. Sometimes when I'm riffing in here, when I'm riffing, you guys help me out. Like some words stick out in the comments and I'll immediately run with that one. Undisputed. Undisputed was one right there. Just undisputed. And I pointed at it. See, just my brain works like that. Um, yeah. Glad you guys can be in here with us tonight. Uh, don't wear a lot of Falcon stuff, but hey, man, shouts out to Culture Kings. Not an ad or anything, but if you like uh, golfers, snapbacks, all those types of hats, head over to culturekings.com. Uh, again, not an ad, but they got some dope hats. So, yeah, there we go. While you're at it, patreon.com forward slash Chris Wilson. Uh, um, last segment of the night. Last segment of the night. We're losing a lot of juice, man. Uh, we had our first – I know what we'll do here. This will be fun. We had our first hospital visit last night, ER visit. Could have sworn it was going to be my son, definitely to be our first trip to the ER. Turns out it was my daughter. Um, last night, about I'd say about 6 o'clock, the wife was opening a box or so, of some sorts, and all of a sudden, baby girl just goes, irate, just wow. Just letting that son a gun eat. I'm talking about ripping it. Um, so I come bebopping down the stairs. And I say, hey, whoa, whoa, what happened? What happened? And uh, I don't know. Something's in her eye. Something's in her eye. So about every, I'd say, like eight minutes, she would just close her eyes and just let it rip again for like five minutes. Just squeal. I'm talking about, and if you've ever been a, pa or a parent, you know the baby cries, right? Like, I'm hungry, cry. I'm uncomfortable, cry. I got poop in my butt, cry. I'm in obvious pain, cry. This was I'm in obvious pain, cry. Everybody, like I said, eight minutes on, or, you know, eight minutes off, five minutes on. What was clearly something agitated in her eye. So I'm one of these parents, like, dude, if it's a cough or if it's, like, an illness, we're going to ride that sucker out. I ain't going to lie to you. You can judge me. You can say what you want. We're gonna let we're gonna let your body figure that one out. Once we once we reach that 103, 103.5 temperature and we're holding there, we're gonna pick up the phone, call the doctor. Up until that point with the illnesses, we're gonna ride, son. You you gonna have to figure that one out, daughter. Y'all gonna have to figure that one out. But when it comes to something that's like ear like unfixable, I can't fix your eyesight, honey. I can't give you a new eye. You know what I'm saying? If you go blind on my account, that's that's on me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when it comes to that stuff, hey, ain't no messing around. Ain't no, hey, maybe we'll wait. Uh, you know, we'll see if things develop. Nuh uh get your ass in that car, and go. So last night had one, had to go to the hospital, uh, scratched cornea, gave her some stuff, salt her eye, looked her eye. She's about eight and a half months or eight months old yesterday, actually, or last week. Um, rock solid. Did really, really well, uh, uh, you know, handled through it. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not good with that one. My, I wasn't good when my son was hurt either. Boy, ooh, when my babies are hurt. Ooh, man. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Can't do that. Baby crying over and over again. Can't do that neither. Shouts out to my wife. She was a rock last night as well. Um, Scottish Wright. In and out. Y'all was great. Not going to lie. In, I should say, in really, really quickly. Here's my complaint. Get us out. Once you check us out, get us out, man. Get us out. You know what I'm saying? Doc came in, 
gave us the synopsis, gave us his analysis, broke it down, gave us the film, grinded the tape, got out of there, said, we're going to get y'all processed, we're going to get you out. Sun gun, we sat there for another 45, 50 minutes for no reason, just chilling. So get us in, get us out, too. So there you go. Kudos to you. Appreciate you for taking care of my baby. Um, I said a while back on this channel that I had a, uh, a buddy of mine that is a director of player personnel give me one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard from anybody that I trust when it, with regards to player acquisition, right? Whether that be an NFL scout or that be a, a, an NFL agent with, who's tasked to find the, the talent that they want to represent, whether it be a director of player personnel on the college level, whether it be a position coach, right? These people that I've developed relationships with that I have conversations with about talent. Um, one of my favorite quotes I've ever gotten was a buddy of mine telling me basically like, you are way too concerned with finding good football players. You need to find big and fast football players. That's it. I don't care if he's a shit football player. If he's 1% athletically, it's my job to make him a great football player. I can't tell you how many different scouting worlds or scouting programs or scouting departments in the world of football evaluate talent that way right there. Stop finding good football players and find me big and fast football players. I will make them good. That's my job. Our job is to find really, really talented football players and make them great at playing football. That is what NFL coaches are made to do. That is what their mindset tells them. Their mindset says, bring me the biggest lump of clay and I will shape that thing into the be most beautiful statue that there possibly is. They want the biggest, rawest, greatest thing. They want the biggest ceiling most of the time, right? So, again, they think, give me the biggest hunk of clay. And it's not just coaches either. I, I can make NFL decision makers, general managers, and owners, I can make them giddy over a shorts and T-shirt workout with a one percenter. Somebody that's going to come out there and run faster, jump higher, and throw further than anybody else out there, especially when it comes to the decision makers with the quarterback position, which brings us to Anthony Richardson. Like I told you at the beginning of the show, you have to buy the stock. If you're an NFL executive, if you're an NFL scout, if you're an NFL football coach, every single football coach in the world will tell him, I'm the one to fix him. Coach, I'm the one to fix him. I'm the one I can I can clean up his inaccuracies. I can change the fact that he was never a 60% thrower. Well, he just needs better around him. Because look, coach, look how all these Florida players showed up in the combine. Hell, coach, they got safeties out here running 475. Hell, coach, when was the last time we drafted a wide receiver out of Florida that wasn't uh Van Jefferson? That was a fifth-round draft pick that probably got cut, I think, recently by the Rams. When was the, I mean, they had that Kyle Pitts guy, but he didn't get to throw to him. What like you can make all the when was the last time they had a first round draft pick at tackle? Maybe this year, Osiris Thomas, right? Maybe. All, all of these different factors you can make for why Anthony Richardson didn't perform at the rate that he will. And not only that, of all of the guys, he came out this week and he said, I'm Cam Jackson. I used to call myself Cam Jackson, a, a hybrid of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. I'm here to tell you right now, guys, he is a far more pure, like a purified clean-cut, natural thrower of the football than either of those two human beings. 
Cam had such elbow ish, like Cam had such elbow tendencies to straight pull it back like an archer and immediately go into that motion. Every, I guarantee right now, if you Google Cam Newton throwing and go to the images tab, the first thing you're going to see is Cam doing this, like his whole body just moving forward and his whole shoulder behind him because he was a straight elbow thrower. And the only way to clear it was to just yank just like that. And his whole shoulder's blown out. Add that on to the fact that he was a, a, a massive physical runner of the football and you're going to see some deterioration. About a 10-year career, about a seven-year prime, by eight-year nine, ugh, we looked real, real rough, right? With Lamar Jackson right now, if you haven't been watching him over the years, he is an extremely dynamic runner. But that dude's super elbowy too in a different sense. He's not a straight drawback like an archer. He's kind of a, a normal drawer, but he's elbow first. He is immediately elbow first, and he is hands behind at all times. If you watch Lamar Jackson throw, if you watch the Baltimore Ravens play offense, number one, he always misses high. He sails footballs more than anybody. Why? That way, hands underneath the football at all times. The other thing, right, you will not see them, Todd Munkin, if you're going to maintain him as a, as a quarterback, if y'all end up signing him up in Baltimore or tagging him or whatever you do, you will not see them develop an offense outside the numbers. Outside the hashes, that is not what they do in Baltimore. It is why no free agency wide receiver will sign there. It is why Mark Andrews is the most pivotal portion of their offense in between the hashes, right down the field. Put it right in front of his face. Do not make him throw it away. Do not make him throw it outside. Do not make him drive footballs. Do not make him throw it vertically. We can't. Ball floats on him way too often. Ball sails on him way too often. He is not a clean-cut thrower, which brings us to Anthony. If you, just if you just watched him play football, if you did not look at the results, there's no reason he's not a first. Number one overall pick. Number one overall pick. No reason, that guy. He's the biggest, fastest, best thrower that the draft's seen, and I don't know how long. There isn't, guys, there is. I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke here. I'm not saying he's going to make, I'm not saying he's going to check out. I'm not saying he's going to make it. He might be a complete flame out, but there has not been one of these. There's not been one of these that can throw it like this and as technically sound as this and can move like that at that size. There ain't one of these. 6'5", 244, running 444, throwing like that. I, all that being said, right, he, he checks all the 1% theories. And if you're, you know, guys like, I mean, who, look, look at the draft order, right? If you're Atlanta sitting there at eight. If he flames out, worst case scenario, if Anthony Richardson does not pan out in four years, you suck for four years, and you are fun to watch, okay? If you're Atlanta, you've been mediocre for seven years now. Why not suck for four with the opportunity to be really, really good, right? Same applies for you, Indianapolis. You've been doing the rent-a-quarterback thing forever. Been taking the, the, the scrap heaps for a while now. Have something fun. Take something with a ceiling. Right, same thing for Vegas, Carolina, all, all those teams. Bottom line, I don't think the guy makes it out of the top twelve. And you could say this, like people will say the same thing about Will Levis, and they will say, "But Brooks, he's got a cannon. Brooks, he doesn't eat mayonnaise, or actually he eats way too much mayonnaise. Brooks, um, he's got a rocket, uh, dude. Ugh, I, I'm not fundamentally clean." There's a bunch of stuff with Will Levis where it's like, ooh, 
the whole left side of the field from the hash over, he closes himself off on his front side. He is throwing onto his front side. He does not release. The ball ends up uh, high and inside. Okay, very pick sixable on this left side of his body. Okay, moving anywhere over here. Okay, there's also a whole lot of, damn, dude, you got hit really hard. How'd you not see him? I mean, they, they got six on the line. You got five. They're sending left. That guy's clearly free. I mean, you're right-handed. He's right in your face. How'd you not say, wham, Florida game? How'd you not see him? Oh, it's third and two, middle of the third quarter. You're only down six uh, at Ole Miss on the road. Middle of the field. Why are you extending the ball on a scramble on third and two when we're in fourth down territory? Why are you trying to extend the ball and get poked out and 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 they they now have the football? Why are we doing that? Like you're you're in you're in like year two as a full time starter. Why are we doing that? You've been playing college football for four years now. You had two years at Penn State, two years in Kentucky. Why are you doing that? There's a bunch of that on his tape too, um, and he's not as clean physically as Anthony Richardson. Man, what a show! What a show for you guys tonight. Um, did we get everything? We even got some Will Levis hatred in there. Hatred's a strong word. Proximity, proof of concept, relationships. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. Okay? No matter what happens in the football world, no matter what happens with the rules, no matter what happens with uh, name, image, and likeness, no matter what happens with the coaching landscape, no matter what happens, proximity to talent, proof of concept, does what you sell work, right? And relationships, those three things. If you got those three, you're going to recruit at an elite level no matter what, okay? If you can add on top of that a strong name, image, and likeness collection or whatever, all that nonsense, great for you. Uh, if you can promise and get guys playing time early on, go for it, right? And if you have strong academics, it might help you, but it's not going to win your recruit. I promise you that right now. Uh, appreciate you guys being here. We'll be back tomorrow somehow, some way, talking about something We'll see you. Uh, love you next time.